Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 213. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Not much. Getting ready for a big holiday weekend. It's really weird. I'm losing track of like all the holidays and what time of year it is even because this whole quarantine shit's got me just thrown off. Yeah, and it's even more weird because we're actually doing this during the daytime right now. On, on July 3rd here recording this. It's been kind of a super crazy week for me and uh, actually not in the usual studio today for circumstances that are beyond my control. But, you know, I wanted to make sure we got this out there and, uh, you know, spend a little time having fun doing this podcast. So thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out. SkiBumpPodcast.com. We're on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Podcast. Our favorite social media app is untapped where you can find us at ski bump podcast and ski bump Brian. So we're both there separate. So friend us and follow along with what we're drinking. If you want to send us an email, ski bump podcast at gmail.com. And I know people have always been hitting us up for stickers. So keep doing that on Instagram or send us an email and we're happy to, to get you some out there. So thank you again for listening. We really do appreciate it. And Mario, let's kick it off. Where we always do. It's time for our pray today. All right, I was just taking a picture of it so I could post it onto my Untapped so everybody can uh, could share with everyone. A little um, afternoon app right today. Afternoon app right, and it is actually actual afternoon. Um, my app is going a little crazy today, uh, and I'll explain it in a little bit. But that's the opening of the can. Uh, I believe I had this a few weeks ago. Uh, I'm going back to. The victory. Oh, there we go. Sour monkey. Wow, nice. So this is a pretty beefy one. This is That's the a one hanger for uh, one o'clock in the afternoon. Oh yeah, this is a day drinking uh, special. I believe this is twelve percent, twelve point five, nine point five percent. It's big. It's big enough. Let's Huge. put it that way. Uh, yeah. But it, it tastes fresh. It doesn't taste heavy. I see. You were saying that last time too, which is is pretty impressive for a. Uh, nine percenter and what kind of beer is it uh it's a sour triple sour triple okay so sour monkey sour triple um a little bit of a you know it's a sour so it's a definitely sour, sour a little bit fruity not a specific fruit more like a sour patch kid you know or, or like a, a gummy sour or something just get that shock sour okay uh over like a uh sour sour like pale ale or something like that. That's kind of what it what it tastes. Oh, gotcha. Um, but you know, it's a, a sour. I'm not a big into sour beers, but this is actually pretty good. Almost, <laughs> almost reminds me of like an alcoholic soda. <laughs> so that's funny. Now the reason I've never tried that one. It sounds really good. Yeah, I mean it's Victory, so it's probably pretty well distributed. So you, sh- you should be able to find it. Oh yeah, they're around. based out of what? Outside of Philly? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Not sure. But the reason it's going crazy because I've been doing a little bit of medical cannabis <laughs> in the sour diesel strain. Keeping so, it sour. Keeping it sour. Look at that. A little tincture mm. action. Sour Almost diesel. Here with the sour monkey. Look at you. Diesel diesel tincture. I I've definitely noticed the last two podcasts, you've been more mellow. Like definitely with your setup, you know, I used to get a little bit upset at your microphone and your headphones not working. And now you're just like, hey, man, I got this. This is all good. It's okay. Yeah, see? Uh, I tell you what, since I got my card, um, I've drank a lot, lot less. This is probably... 
maybe the second beer I've had all week. Um, and I've been using the medical cannabis, basically a little bit of relaxation and enjoyment, but, um, mainly to sleep. I've been sleeping so much better. That's great. So maybe that's why I'm in a good mood too, because I'm less edgy. I'm getting my sleep, getting my Z's at night. So you look younger. I know. I feel refreshed. Look at that. That's a beautiful (laughs) thing. How about you, man? All right. So I, uh, I'm going back to similar to what I had. I think it was last week too. I had that, that growler of, um, the Berliner Weisse. So when I went there, I got a growler, but I also got a couple of four packs and it's, it's actually close to where my, my family is. And that's why I'm here now for again, unforeseen circumstances. I got a sunken silo American Berliner Weisse pinkies out. Nice. This is actually a raspberry Berliner Weisse. So beer brewed with raspberries. So again, it's a little bit sour, a little bit sweet, but it's a light, nice summer beer. Uh, clocks in at 4.9. Definitely getting the raspberries. A little that Whatever that sour, I don't know if it's the yeast or the, the wheat in the Berliner Weisse that you get a little bit on the, on the nose. And like, it's definitely got raspberry flavor. So if you're nice. into raspberries and raspberries in your beer and you want something kind of mellow this is this is a great one very cool you know what i like about the sours which i i don't drink them often but it's kind of interesting when i do almost feels like a little foamy fuzziness when you first drink it Mm -hmm. and then it kind of smooths out hopefully it smooths out hopefully it smooths out Uh, i kind of like that it's you know it's kind of good uh depending on you know as long as the beer's legit yeah that's the problem. There's some that are just really sour and kind of gross. Crappy. <laughs> I, I don't know. I've never been into the, the ghosts are, are a little sour too. And I've just never been into those. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And she left. All right. And we got one story in, the, in our opera today. Uh, Iowa becomes the first state to permanently legalize cocktails to go. So... <laughs> If you haven't seen this already, um, a lot of places, especially if you're in a beach location, um, people are offering, you know, cocktail to go. You put in a to-go cup and you just kind of go. It's not like you're you're necessarily open container drinking. You are, but it's kind of in a to-go cup. So you don't know if it's soda or a cocktail. So um, the uh, governor... Kim Richards of Iowa assigned the bill into law Monday, changing the Iowa code to allow bars to sell drinks for takeout and delivery for off-premise consumption. So they're doing this basically because of all the COVID-19 restrictions. And I've seen a lot of people uh, doing this. Uh, A lot of counties are doing this, especially down here where I am. Uh, But I think this is going to be the new future. I mean, why not? If you're not driving and you're just walking around, have a cocktail, you know, don't be drunk, just have a cocktail yeah i mean i get you don't want people wandering around boozing it up all the time but you know really what are why do we give why do we let these laws even come into existence like you know you really should be able to self-monitor yourself a little bit or have like your if you're around someone's around town drinking all the time like you know pull them aside like hey man this is a neighborhood we got kids and families here like stop walking around drinking yeah. Like to make actual laws and give people tickets for this, I don't know. Well, think about the premise. Like, so you can drink five beers in your house, walk outside, jump into your car, walk around town, whatever. But you're not drinking while you're doing all that. Here, you you know, now why couldn't you just walk out? Of, you know, why do we have to have open container law? 
you know yeah maybe you don't drive if you're drunk don't drive but and if, if you're, you're walking just, around town, can you have a drink? And again, too, if you want to, you just put it in a coffee cup. You know, you go to skibumpodcast.com slash shop. You buy one of those Yeti mugs. There you go. You can put a gin and tonic in there. It could be coffee. It could be water. Nobody knows. We're going to the supermarket. My little lady and I, we go, uh, it'll be after work. We'll say, hey, do you want a roadie? So we uh, <laughs> take out the coffee cups. We got the, you know, the ones you buy at the supermarket. Yeah. Put put the uh, put a drink in there. Sometimes a cocktail, sometimes a beer. Sometimes she'll do a little white claw, and then we go shopping at the supermarket. We go walk over and shop around while we're enjoying our cocktail. It's nice. You're like I haven't been to public sober since 2011. <laughs> now everybody looking at us. It. It's right. Everybody looking at us knows that we can't be drinking coffee because it's like 90 degrees out and it's hot. Like there's no way that's hot coffee. So. <laughs> I'm saying that's the beauty of the travel mug. You know, you just, no one has any idea what you have in there. And again, most of the time it's legit coffee, but sometimes got to throw a little roadie action in there. Roadie, road soda. Well, Iowa, you are, no, I never thought I would say Iowa, you are on the forefront of the future, but there you go. Iowa. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They're saying over 30 states and Washington DC are currently allowing restaurants and bars to sell alcoholic drinks to go. But this made it permanent for Iowa, which is cool. Look at that. Blazing the trails, Iowa. They're saying states including Texas, Florida, Ohio, Oklahoma are similarly considering making the move permanent. So another another boon for Florida. Why not? There you go. It'll be hey, like I'll, Mardi Gras every day. I've noticed those are all states that allegedly have a coronavirus uh, resurgence the last couple of weeks. Well, we're getting a lot of people from everywhere else. They're bringing all the germs in. I've noticed two driving around here in New Jersey, a lot of New York plates, people yeah. just bailing and uh, trying to get either going out to the Poconos at the PA or just, just getting out. Dude, it's, I'm going to go out for a bike ride to the beach after this podcast. Look at you. Guarantee it's going to be packed like it has been the last few weeks and a lot of out of state plates. Oh yeah. Traffic coming to the beach yesterday was crazy. Like, yeah. You really see it bad. too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody yeah. wants to get out, you know, yeah, people are getting itchy. That's 4th of July. Like they canceled all the fireworks celebrations. So it's kind of weird. Uh, but this being Florida, I was in Costco the other day. Did you see the post that we had on Instagram? I think so. Yeah. That was from Costco. I wow. bought that big ass box of fireworks at Costco down here. So I would love it. America. And, I, and I bought some, uh, was it the angry trolls? I bought some of those at, at the supermarket just now. <laughs> I was like, yeah, let me throw them in there. We're going to go over to my sister's house and just blow up her front yard. Blow off some fingers? Blow off some fingers. JPP, isn't he from your area? I don't know, but I think he didn't blew he off his to, fingers down did here. Did he go to USF? I don't know. I thought he, he was a USF I he, guy. I think he was. Yeah. But when he had many fingers, now he has fewer. Just because he had the whole fireworks in his hand. Fingers are overrated. And you do it as a pro. Why do you make it and then do it? Why don't you just... <sighs> You got an entourage. Let somebody else hold it for you. That's why you have an entourage. So you can hold your fireworks for you. Exactly. You think Ben Franklin held that kite for the with the key on it? No, he had his lackey hold on to it and he took the credit for it. That's, That's the true. way you do it. You got to outsource the dangerous stuff and That's take right. credit. Outsource. Outsource. That is the key. All right. We are back in quarantine on the gondola. We got a resurgence. We're staying out of the gondola this time. I think we talked about it more than enough last week with Mario's uh, oh, yeah. legal, his medical marijuana card and his whole experience getting it. So my journey, I still haven't gotten my permanent card. 
just as a follow-up. Still haven't gotten it, huh? So I'm still using my temporary. Went and bought some more this week. It works, right? I got like a two-for-one deal. Like they, they try to give you deals to keep going back, so. Let's go to Ski News. And first off, I think we've talked about this in the past. This was a big deal when they announced this. Heli, which is a company that sells a heliski pass similar to Icon Epic Pass for uh, for Vale and Altera Resorts. The Heli Pass was a pass for unlimited heliskiing. Now, they have two different versions of it. They have the Alpha and the Unlimited. When this came out, I was saying there's no way it's going to be less than $20,000. And people were like, I don't know. It's probably not going to be that high. Cards on the table now. We're looking at it. This Alpha Pass is $1,000. And all it gives you is 10% off all bookings. 10%? But that said, you look at some of these trips. You go on one trip that's $15,000. You're knocking off $1,500. Your pass is $1,000. You're up 500 bucks. You're okay. losing money not buying it. You go on one or two trips, that'll pay for itself with that alpha pass. Now, the unlimited pass, which is the one that we were all kind of talking about. This is the the humdinger, the coup de gras, the, uh, the one ski pass to rule them all. Price starting at $100,000. Damn. It gives you full flexibility. Your season pass is bespoke and can be designed to offer unlimited heliskiing anywhere in the world with no restrictions. You set your calendar subject to availability, pay one price, and go without worry. And I'm trying to find the... Uh, so, they have, so they have more information about this. Yeah, so if you scroll to the bottom, they have the unlimited pass. So it says there are actually 292 potential heliskiing days around the globe. Damn. Now... How cool would it be? Maybe just take out your 401k. Just I was just thinking that. Cash it 401k, in. 401k, go on a leave of absence. Buy this pass and just record your experience. You know, get like a, a film crew or something to follow you. And I think it's got to get passes for the film crew too. But there's got to be a way to recoup that and to make it you just go like 200 plus days of hell skiing. Right? Yeah. If you make a good enough movie, you sell the, you know, and you sell a good amount of them, you could probably make your money back and then write it off as business. That. And also too, the people you're going to meet on these experiences. Lifetime. One of these people is going to be able to offer you a job in a year, right? Yeah. You probably need some CEOs, some fancy uh, entrepreneurs like Dan Bilzerian, like people like that you'll run into. And they'll be like, oh yeah, I'll get you a job. Yeah. You start trumping it up too. get some sponsors, get some swag, get some, you know, Represent some some product on on your journey that might for work sure too. yeah yeah I think there's ways to make this work but I wonder if they're limiting the number of these passes because a hundred thousand dollars is a spicy meatball that's for sure yeah how much was that Olympic ski pass was that I think um, it was fifteen thousand wasn't it that gold yeah, cheap compared to this yeah U S gold Super pass team I think it was twelve or fifteen. Wait, I'm clicking to reserve it right now. Uh oh, make it make sure you get two. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a pack. Do they have, do you have like a Costco like a twelve pack? Okay, so this is twelve thousand five hundred per pass, which now oh. seems like a goddamn steal. It's a steal. Because think about it, you could do that and then make friends with the people that have helicopters to take you up for free. 
that's not a bad move either. That's right. You just kind of hang out, ski a lot. And so there's got to be different, different routes to this, but this is pretty cool. Yeah. The 10%, it just seems a little, I don't know. Bitchy. Yeah. Like, Oh, okay. let's go heli skiing guys. I'm going to go. I got 10% off. It's like, I've got a coupon. Yeah. Like really? Yeah. Man, you got to buy the ball one or nothing. That's right. You should have like a mini pass, like give you half of the year or something. Yeah. It should all be unlimited, unlimited full year, unlimited half year, something like that. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. It's a coupon. I want a coupon. I want something real. So there you go. If you got $100,000 burning a hole in your pocket and don't need to buy a new air conditioner like I do for your house, maybe this is the way to go. Well, actually, if you have $200,000 burning a hole in your pocket, you can gift one to me and one to Brian. I think that would work out best for everyone. I mean, don't we give you $200,000 worth of entertainment over the lifetime of this podcast? <laughs> Easily. And a lifetime of advice and stupid shit that you'll remember. So Just just remember, whatever you give to the world, you get back tenfold. So That's right. Give a heli pass, get a heli pass. You're spending $200,000 to get $2 million in return. That's right. Basically, ipso facto, we're not, that's not actual real financial advice. So, <laughs> but we still think you should donate to us getting ski passes. I think Heli owes us some ski passes now for the work we're doing promoting them. I think so too. Yeah. We're not affiliated with them and they've not given us any passes. So just yeah, at least give us the coupon, the 10% coupon, coupon. thousand dollars. Come on. Thousand dollar chump change coupon. I need a thousand dollars for breakfast. That's right. <laughs> All right. Next up we have uh ski mom put out uh, a sneak peek at the coming season. I believe so, it's brave ski mom. Oh, sorry. Brave ski mom. Um, that's right. Cause ski mom's a different person. Yes. So this is brave ski mom.com. Um, so she's again, trying to look into the future to see what, what's coming up for, um, for skiing next year. And, uh, Najda had something last, uh, last week, the week before it's a and, zoom call, right? It was a Zoom call. I couldn't make it. I had other stuff going on, but um, she got a bunch of information from that Zoom call. Um, and it's pretty cool. Like some of the stuff they talked about and they, and they had a panel of guests and they were going to talk about, you know, what do they see the, the future looking like? What's coming up? What is everybody hearing? And it was kind of nice that they put it together to collaborate with uh, the ski community and just see, you know, what everybody's thinking, you know, take a pulse check, um, cause you know, there's one resort out there that's way off the reservation. <laughs> they got to bring them in like, Hey, that's a dumb idea. Why don't you, why don't you come back in where we're not going to have bubbles for everybody or something, you know, something, <laughs> something crazy, but they're saying, you know, they started going through, they said in the Southern hemisphere, they're using that as like a preview because since they're going through their winter now, <laughs> it's kind of hitting firsthand. It's right at the end of, of coming out of quarantine. So they're saying, you know, like New Zealand, Australia, New Zealand, South America, South America's closed, Las Nenas and Valle Navarra and Chile will not open this year. Portillo is on an indefinite hold. So that's like South America. And they have New Zealand. They went through and they, they're saying they're COVID free, right? That's what they're saying, yeah. So they have some government restrictions and they have restrictions on the ski resorts, but I actually think they have more restrictions coming into their country. So if you can get in, you can ski, but I think you're going to have a bigger problem just uh, even getting, getting in. There, yeah. Yeah. Australia, they say is kind of in the middle. They said resorts are, are 
you know, kind of doing uh, reservations, limited guests, a uh, few services. Uh, Threadbro, they said, is, is kind of the Aspen of Australia. They were canceling and refunding season passes before opening. So Oof. I guess they were getting the number down and then they're doing uh, daily tickets. So it's pretty, it's pretty hit or miss kind of people are just doing what, you know, resorts seem to be like, you know, doing what they think is right. Um, and then they're just saying there's a luck factor, you know, depending on when the snow hits and where we are with the, with COVID, um, uh, it's going to, you know, it's going to have to be kind of a last minute call of what happens with, with us in the long run, you know? Yeah. And then like the biggest part of this too, is they're talking about what else can you do besides Alpine skiing? And they yeah. talked a lot about Nordic skiing, snowshoeing, sledding, tubing, fat biking, all those other, you know, winter snow sports. And we've talked about it in the past too. And you, know, you kind of see with this whole COVID thing, all the people buying bikes, like bike shops are out of them because people are just, you know, needing to get out and wanting to do something and biking. I'm surprised looking at Evo's website that they still have all that, a lot of touring equipment still left at least the higher end stuff maybe the lower end stuff was selling because there's going to be a an influx of people getting out into the the back country and the uh touring tour skiing because uh, if you can't get on the reservation you can't get a lift ticket like and people want to be out in the snow that's what they're going to do yeah it's going to be a mixed bag you know like i think about it like so so what is it going to be is it going to be like you're waiting to get tickets. So like when we had like the Killington house, would it be, you know, if we were in that same situation, would it be, we don't know if we're going to actually be able to ski. So if we sleep too late now, do we miss out on the number of tickets? So now we got to do something else. And then we would probably do, I'd probably do, um, Alpine skiing, you know, do a little cross country skiing, Nordic skiing, you know, uh, rather than, than say, Oh, my day's wasted. I'm going to hang out in the house. I'd probably go out and do something like that. You know, I think you'd know the day before if you got the the ticket or not through that lottery, if you were trying to get a downhill ticket, but Hey, you know what, if you, if you are on the mountain, I'm sure it's going to be awesome because it's not going to be as crowded, right? Lift lines, but it's a question of even being able to get out there. So that's why, you know, a little preview of our upcoming main topic, we had an interview and, you know, one of the things we talked about is you, you might be better off just making sure you get a season pass somewhere because you'll probably get precedent over someone just buying a daily or a, you know, two day, three day ticket. Yeah. They're going to, you know, look to those people first to give them the spots. Yeah. Still, still many unanswered questions. I was even thinking the same with sports. Like, so you have a stadium, right? You sell so many. Uh, preseason tickets. Now, if they limit the capacity to, let's say, one-sixth of what you normally have, that might be all the season ticket holders that you have. So now what do they do? They take them, they spread them out, and then there's no tickets available for a game. You know? Well, also, too, how you know, these stadiums are going to be making so much less money because of the less people, the less, you know, uh, spectators that can go there. Yeah. Are the players' salaries going to be cut? I mean, where are they going to find that money? You know, these players, I don't know, playing the same game. They're supposed to be getting the same amount of money. Like, where is that money going to come from now? Well, I think the game per money, I guess contractually, they're getting, you know, paid for those games. That's why MLB, I think, was holding out because they're playing less games and the owners want to 
to adjust their salary and they didn't want it adjusted. So yeah, like prorating their salary kind of. Yeah. Cause think about it, you get suspended for a few games. They don't pay you for those actual games. You actually get paid. I believe as a pro you get paid per game in the, in, you know, behind the scenes and then you pay taxes based on where you, where that game gets played. So you play. Local oh, no kidding. Yeah. It's a whole nightmare. I knew somebody that worked for the NFL and he said it was just, um, it was very interesting. Some of the stuff that you don't realize. So you play a game in, in Texas. Now you got to play, pay Texas state tax on that. Pay oh, for that game. So it's weird. Oh, wow. Yeah. Unless they've changed it. I don't know. That's how it used to be. Interesting. So, all right, cool. So next up, we got a trailer dropping for ski bum, the Warren Miller story. And this is out on Snowbrains last week. And this is a trailer for the movie, which is awesome. You know, Warren died back in January of 2018. And he sat down before his passing for a final interview, reminiscing about, you know, his history, being in that Sun Valley parking lot in the winter and living in that trailer and cooking rabbit stew. And <laughs> the video, the movie is actually available to purchase now. It just came out available on demand June 30th and we're recording this on July 3rd. So if you want to get out there and pick it up, I was just looking at the reviews on, I think it was iTunes and you know, of course all skiers are going to buy it and it's got five out of five out of five stars. Uh, from everyone who's, who's rated it and it costs eight bucks. So wow. uh, to pick up, it's called ski bum, the Warren Miller story. So nice. Definitely worth checking out. I haven't watched it yet, but I plan on doing pretty soon. So this is a trailer for this movie. Is this going to be their movie for the year? Or is this no, an, an additional this, The movie is out now? Okay. So the link we're going to have in the show notes is to view the trailer, but the tr- this is from last week. So the trailer is out and now the movie's out to purchase or rent from all your favorite. Oh, June 30th. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So cool. Definitely worth your time. Especially if you're hot and sweaty and don't want to be outside. On this you're in quarantine. Yeah. You're in quarantine. You might as well. Yep. For all you know, like with the seasons, like it could be winter next week and I would have no idea like that. It's coming. Right? Like <laughs> for me, it's just some random time of year. And down here, it's perpetually summer, so I don't. Yeah. I can't get excited about anything. I'm like, it's just hot out. I don't know how you do it. You know, I'm thinking more and more I don't, but the ultimate dream is to save up. And this is part of our nuptials. I'm writing this into my my nuptials, but we agreed. I, I'm going to have to drop some kind of pre, um, uh, whatchamacallit? Prenup. Uh, a prenup to state in there that she does agree that we're going to get a ski house. So, there you go. Um, actually working on two angles, huh? Within a certain period of time. Yeah. Actually working on two angles. Uh, if her son does go to hockey, hockey school in Canada, if we get married, I could get a Canadian passport. We could own property up in Canada. Look at that. So he's going to be going to camp, not too far, maybe five hours from the powder highway. So, that might be the place to go. That's you could do worse. Get a place at Revelstoke or something. You, you could do a lot worse. You yeah. would come and visit, right? For I might just bum it out there in your, in your yard, dude. I'll get a piece of land with a put a fucking camper out there. Who cares, right? Right. Wood burning stove and a camper. That's all you need for the week. We'll make it work. Yeah. Pile of wood, you know. Yeah. I'm in a little a four wheeler. This four wheeler. We'll just get everywhere by the four wheeler. 
we'll get a skeezy. Skeezy. That's right. Our friends at Skeezy. Yeah. Don and Ryan. Oh, yeah. Well, backcountry to the place and backcountry out. Yeah. Like it'll be hidden in the middle of nowhere. Could be awesome. That could be awesome. All right. So we'll have to work up plans for that. Um, all right. Next up, we have Ski, which is Ski Magazine, Ski Brand, Ski Online, uh, was acquired by Pocket Outdoor Media. Now, back in my publishing days, I remember they also bought a bunch of titles from, I think it was Rodale or Bonaire. Uh, they bought some, but they have Yoga Journal, Climbing Backpacker, and Vegan Times. Vegetarian I, Times. Vegetarian Times. Which, Is that all news for vegetarians? It's like the, the New York Times, but just vegetarian related. Which, you know, they were clients of ours. So I used to get Yoga Journal, Climbing, and Backpacker. And they were very interesting. I think some of them were quarterly mags. They weren't monthly. But they were interesting because they had these cool articles about like climbing and shit. I'm like, I don't even climb. But it's cool to know like the right rope you should get you know? well, because it's super specific, you know, like yeah. really into a certain type of sport, like even like all the, you know, there's, there's bike magazine, but there's also so many different like iterations based on, are you road biking? Are you mountain biking? Are you enduro biking? And then yeah. they can drill down to like four different ones for just that specific type of biking. So you can kind of yeah. find your, uh, what you're really into. It's also, awesome. it's like a window into that, like, you know, activity. So it's kind of neat. Yeah. Um, so they said with bittersweet excitement, they announced that ski, uh, announced the new owners in Boulder based pocket outdoor media have bought them. Um, so, you know, uh, I guess that there had to be some people that were stoked about it. Some people that weren't, um, and the big thing with that too, is like, we just talked about Warren Miller. It includes Warren Miller entertainment. Yes. So they are part of that now. Pocket part media. Of it. So they're part of AIM, which is, um, is it American something media? Active interest media. Active interest. So I was on the other side. They were actually a big competitor of ours, but <laughs> we also did the marketing for some of their titles. It's a whole weird uh, industry, but um, yeah. So AIM is, uh, they're pretty big. They got into this market and I think the big thing is um, one of the tabloids. They're Us Weekly, I think. Oh. Uh yeah man it's it's tough out there for those those print magazines but uh, you were saying that you know print is still not nearly dead I mean, it's there's still a lot of subscriptions there's airports well yeah <laughs> there used to be more airport travel but you know i don't know how this whole covid quarantine thing is gonna hurt yeah. an industry that's already kind of struggling to stay relevant and and yeah. important I mean, I think Prince is going to be around. It's just not going to be around as big as it was. So while you look at the decline, they're still making money. And I would always argue, I'm like, look, you're cannibalizing print with all the other crap you offer. Like when you start offering stuff free online, people are like, all right, I'm not going to buy in print because I'm going to go online. Then you start trying to do a paywall or start charging and people are like, fuck that. I'm not going to pay for it. I can go on another site and get it for free too. Yeah. So they've created this scenario where they've kind of screwed up their industry because they want to start putting paywall on online stuff, which is, I don't get to keep anything online. I don't have a magazine that I could put on a coffee table and somebody could thumb through it and be like, Oh, look at these cool pictures. You know, that was the cool thing. Yeah. When you were still working for time, like back in the, the ski house yeah. days where you would just bring up like a pile of magazines, people, people, you, no matter what your interest was outside of skiing, you'd find a magazine that was interesting. You know, sports oh, illustrated yeah. people, uh, you know, whatever. There was always something you had that was, that was cool. And there's something to print. Like when you have something in your hand, it feels more tangible and yeah. more important where digital 
just seems kind of ebb and flowy. Like I'll read this now. And eh. like how many tabs do you open right now of things that you were supposed to read, but yeah. I've been sitting there for weeks or months. You well, know? digital too, I use more for news, like up to minute headlines, news, just quick stuff that I want to see right now. But a lot of the magazines, I get the fact that they're monthly, right? So you're not going to see anything that's news breaking, right? But you're going to see an in-depth article and hopefully uh, a lot of research that went into writing a nicely put article on something that just recently happened. So you don't get the quick blurb headline of, okay, here's what happened. And, you know, the sketchy details you're getting, here's a, a, a backdoor you know, a, a behind the scenes, like, look at like, here's this issue, which we're is getting actually a, a better thought out story because it's not just, yeah, like I said, headline, headline, hit you in the right. face. Don't research the, the, uh, nuance and the specific of the story. Just follow the narrative printed out like those yeah. Covington kids, you know, how you showed yeah. the picture of that kid with the MAGA hat with the uh, native American dude in his face. And it looked like the the kid was being an asshole and picking on this guy when really when the video, the full video came out a couple of days later, it showed the complete opposite, but everyone yeah. was vilifying this poor kid. He's a 16 year old dipshit. Like think about yourself at 16. Like I am so glad there was no smartphones. Oh, there, was no, there wasn't like a camera in everyone's pocket, like all the, yep. dumb, you know, the dumb shit you've did. Like now everything is recorded. So, you know, I you, always tell people take two minutes out of your day every day and you can paint yourself as another Hitler, a little asshole, a total saint, like whatever you want. You can just take two minutes out of every day and people are like, oh my God, the person's an asshole or the person's amazing. Like just on those two minutes. It could be the exact same person. Because you just exactly. yeah, the narrative isn't always there. And if you kind of have a, a bias, you're not going to look at the research. And I mean, people, you know, again, I hate making things political, but left and right. If you're a left person, everything the right does is wrong. If you're right, everything on the yeah. left is wrong. It's like, dude, we're more nuanced. We're better than that. Like we, we all can have individual thoughts and individual topics. So yeah. we're very okay. creative at making stuff fit the way we want to think about things, you know, a hundred percent. So we'll, we'll do whatever we can to make it fit. It's just, but I think this is going to be good for, you know, Pocket Outdoor Media. They got some good brands around. I think it's a good synergy. Like, you know, you get a lot of people that backpack and then do, you know, some backcountry and climbing. So it kind of all fits. And I don't know anybody nowadays, as I get older and I, I get, you know, still stay involved with, with sports and athletics, yoga. Like so many people, more people do yoga now because they realize the benefit for it. So it's, it's just cool. Yeah, it's great. And speaking of things that are great and open-minded and exciting for the winter, North Korea registers trademark for ski resort in tourism push. Damn. And now, now, King Jamil alive or dead right now? <laughs> alive and kicking. <laughs> He's alive and kicking. Well, you say Kim Jong-il or Un? Which is the guy now? Un? Il is dead. Un Il is, is dead. Un is in. Un is, un's, un's in? Yeah. Yeah. North Korea registered a trademark with the United Nations for a hotel that sits within a $35 million ski resort, a pet project of Kim Jong-un's that's now part of a push to lure tourists to the Hermit Kingdom. Damn. The country listed a 10-year trademark for the Masikyong Hotel in the coastal town of Wonsan with the World Intellectual Property Organization, the UN's body of intellectual property rights online records show. They registered the trademark on April 2nd because if it did on April 1st, we all would have thought it was a joke. <laughs> you know, it's pretty smart of them to think about that. They're probably, no, no, they'll think it's a joke if you do it on the first. 
Good move. <laughs> Officials now hope to push the attraction of the Masik Ryong Ski Resort, which was built as a pet project for the kingdom's 36-year-old dictator, who is reportedly an avid skier. Damn. It has well, 10 slopes of varying difficulties, as well as an Austrian-made cable car system, snowmobiles, and an ice skating rink. Damn. Hotel's got 120 rooms, swimming pool, bars, cafe, and even Western shops. Well, I'm going to let you right now. We might get on the FBI watch list, but I'm going to reach out to them and see if we can ski this bad boy. Uh, you know what? Maybe we'll be like Iowa is for to-go cocktails. We could be for North Korean skiing. So we could ride over with Dennis Rodman and go hang out. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know how baller that would be? It's like, hey, Worm, you got room in your plane for us? Worm, can you fly us over there? <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, and then we get back, we get a drug test. <laughs> Think about how our podcast would blow up if we could yeah. fly with Dennis Rodman Damn. to North Korea to ski. Come on, Worm. Let's take take. Come us on, Worm. Come on. <laughs> we're going to we're going to NoCo. We got to call it something cool. NoCo sounds no-co. good. <laughs> hey, ski NoCo. Are you in SoCo or NoCo? Dude, we could sell some ski NoCo shirts. <gasps> oh, 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 don't ski so ski SoCo and then ski NoCo. Drink your SoCo while skiing NoCo. Oh, no co. Look at that. Yeah, we're going to have to, if we go there, we're going to have to have no co shirts. We just show up like, what up? It's like, it's like we need someone who can write and speak Korean to translate this and put it onto a shirt for us in lettering. <laughs> That'll be a cool shirt. We got to trademark it. Ski no co. We can get tattoos. Tattoos. <laughs> Neck right? tattoos. Neck How tattoos. Ski no co. Well, if we if we do get invited over there, I guess we got to get like a picture of King Jong Un and put it like a neck tattoo on there, like a fake one, like a henna one. So dedicate the game. They'll be like that's so good. Thanks, guys. Yeah, oh, you're, my, awesome. you're my favorite visitors ever. Yeah, I think we can make this happen. We got to have our people talk to the worms people, and we could do this. So if the FBI then listens to our podcast afterwards to monitor us, mm-hmm. do they count as uh, downloaders? Right followers totally it's awesome we'll take the hit i think uh, we're gonna have to start doing that get on every every watch list that's that's got to be good for at least a thousand followers right oh that's awesome i think so (laughs) (laughs) So we're using the fbi to yeah fbi uh (laughs) research and uh following us to bump up our numbers that's right whatever it takes get those clicks right how to manipulate homeland security to follow your podcast (laughs) write the book hey how will we get those clicks that's right. Get them any way possible. That's right. All right, cool. man. We got one more story here. Wanna take yes, this we're going back to Italy. So um an Italian ski resort. We've covered something like this before, but uh this is this is current. Italian ski resort fights glacier melting with giant tarps. So I think we saw a story they were doing this in France. Now this is Italy. So they have these giant tarps sitting on an alp called Presanetta. Presanella in the northern part of the country. Uh, Presna Glacier is home to a lucrative ski tourism industry, ski tourism industry. The Ponte Legno Tonale Resort operates ski lifts on the glacier, inviting visitors to ride up the glacier, you know, the cable cars uh, up the mountain and warm up in the glamorous huts. They have, you know, nice amenities. But they're saying that, you know, the temperatures are are threatening their industry so much that they decided to roll out some tarps and protect some of the uh, melting uh, from happening. So they're, they're geotextile tarpaulins, which are these massive sheets 
uh, that reflect sunlight and keep the underlying snow and ice cool. Hmm. They say they're each $450 each and they're 231 by 15 foot sections that they cover with each of those. So they just bought a shitload of those and they're rolling them out, holding them down with sandbags and hoping that, you know, this will keep everything nice and fresh for when the temperatures drop again and try to maintain some of the glacier. It says it takes six weeks to complete that process. And then removing the tarps takes another month and a half. Wow. Wow. Which That's is in a month crazy. and a half, six weeks also. Can they just say yeah. six weeks for this and six weeks for this? Ah. They, they didn't want to use it twice. They just, oh, well, it's a month and a half. Why don't you pick me up at 745? How about a quarter to eight? Okay. perfect yeah oh, okay that's better <laughs> yeah and they talk about some of the other uh ski resorts in the alps how they're doing some things to try to work against global warming and and some of the melt that's happening so you know what sucks like you see something like this and then the whole covid and the potential for all the you know the resort restrictions limitations yeah do you ever just go like i'm just gonna pick a different sport man like <laughs> the fuck i'm gonna go to mars and just set up a ski resort in mars That'll probably be open before the COVID shit's over. Well, they said there is one gigantic mountain that's taller than Mount Everest in on Mars. Olympus yeah. Olympus Mond, I think it's Olympus called. Mond? Yeah. Yeah. Mons Venus? Pretty awesome. But it, it too, because there's no... They don't <laughs> no have, Mons Venus in Tampa? Mons Venus? Is that a place? <laughs> that's like that huge strip bar, like the really upscale Oh, strip. really? <laughs> or like every like pro athlete gets like busted like there. For doing I don't stupid. like upscale, upscale strip clubs. I like them to be grimy and disgusting. <laughs> Girls with cigarette burns. Like I want them to like. You like the twelve o'clock crew, the one o'clock crew, two o'clock on a on the, a the one p.m. morning, not yeah. one a.m. The one p.m. One p.m. Exactly. <laughs> they got to pick up their kid in two hours. Like that's the kind of place. That's right. Um, but yeah, like you just like, like oh yeah. But I was saying about Olympics Olympus Mons is that Mars doesn't have tectonic plates like we do. Mm. So you know how like things shift and you create that what's what creates mountain ranges or something like Hawaii, the islands, because there's the volcanic activity, but the plates move. So and they push up on each other and cause a big mountain. And it, yeah, it creates a range while Olympus Mons and Mars, there's no plates. So everything just keeps coming out the same spot. So it's just one massive mountain. Just keeps going and going and going. Yeah, exactly. Nice. So, Hey man, we may have Gotta to get terraform a, it, right? Terraform it, get the water out of the thing. It'll create an atmosphere, and boom, we got we got we'll cold drop, city. Drop nukes there in a couple of years, and then we'll be skiing in ten. So it's hopefully, we can keep these glaciers up and running for another ten more years. That's right. What was it Elon Musk said? Just uh, pretty much. You, yeah. you want to heat it up? Just nuke it. Shoot a whole bunch of nuclear warheads at it. Nuke the bastards. <laughs> That's messed up. Messed up, but yeah. genius. Speaking of geniuses and awesome people. Uh, we're rolling into our main topic now. We had a fantastic interview and conversation with our friend Annalise Bergen. She's the director of digital marketing and communications for Ski Utah. We talked about last time we hung out with her in Boston. We talked about the future of skiing in Utah and how things are in Utah right now. So hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is. All right, cool. We are live and we have a, another special guest interview. It is her second appearance. She had so much fun the first time she wanted to come back again. Our friend Annalise Bergen, she is the Director of Digital Marketing and Communications for Ski Utah. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank I'm you. glad to be back. And thank you for the awesome masks you sent us a few weeks ago, too. That was so cool of you to, uh, to reach out to us. I know I wear mine every time I go to the grocery store and I get some I get some like looks like, oh, different because, you know, it's not 
like are this going to be you know like certain sneakers are really collectible are they going to be like rare face masks that are now collectible I like to think that, yeah, we'll use them in 2020 and we'll never use them again. And they will be like these relics of the past <laughs> that we'll just frame for our grandchildren to tell about the pandemic and we'll never have to wear them again. Yeah. I remember in just, 2020 wearing that mask to the grocery yeah. store. Just keep them using for doing uh, some construction work. And, you know, if you're working in the shop, that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I remember seeing a, a, there was a meme a few weeks ago, they were showing, you know, people in masks and, you know, gloves and everything. And they're like, imagine trying to explain this picture to someone in 2019. Yeah. <laughs> because they're like, what yeah. happened? Right? I think it was maybe a movie set. <laughs> right. And, you know, because the last time that we, the three of us hung out, which actually was the first time all three of us hang out, we were in Boston. It was the Ski and Snowboard Expo. You know, it takes place in early November. Everyone is super excited, getting ready for the season. You guys had that wonderful Ski Utah event that you invited us to. We had those awesome blankets. Like everyone was just having fun and excited. And like now we are, what, seven months later? And it's just eight months later and the world just seems like you just, you, you wake up and you go, crap, what's next? Yeah. yeah it's a different world. <laughs> it's definitely it's a different world. It seems like, it seems like it all happened yesterday and that everything like, you know, we were in Boston yesterday. We can't wait for the ski season. And then it also seems like it's been years. <laughs> Yeah. So, so how did you find out? Because, you know, I think powder magazine had an article about Colorado and their response and, you know, how they were, uh, certain people were getting the word from, I guess they were using veil as the example, they were getting the word out. People were starting to shut things down and kind of doing like a play by play hour by hour of how it went down. How did it go down for you guys at ski Utah? Um, yeah. So, I mean, really we all kind of started talking about it, you know, the week of like, March 9th. Um, and we all kind of started watching. Um, we were letting people know that, yes, we were still open. Um, things were still kind of operating as normal, but we were watching it. Um, and, you know, it really went back to us depending on the state of Utah um, to guide us and like the Utah um, health organization to really tell us, you know, what was appropriate to be doing and not be doing anymore. Um, and so it all felt pretty okay and fine. And, you know, maybe we, things would change a little, but we would be fine for the ski season. And then by the end of that week, things started to get a little scary. Um, I won't forget because it was Friday the 13th. Um, and right. we left the office that day. Um, and all of us said, okay, we'll, we'll talk, you know, we'll see how things go over the weekend. We'll talk on Monday. And, um, the following day was when several, several Utah resorts announced their closing. Um, and so it started on Saturday, the 14th and by within a few days, um, all 15 of our resorts were closed, um, at least temporarily until they figured out whether or not they would be able to safely open back up, which of course, none of them did for the winter. Um, but, you know, most of it was communicated through um, the state of Utah to us and to resorts and us listening to them about what was safe, what wasn't. And then what was, you know, really special and unique. And I think Utah is unique in this, that the resorts work very closely together. Um, I can say for the first time in my life, I was on a group text with the general manager of every resort in Utah. <laughs> which, um, so yeah, myself and Nathan, our CEO and president, 
Um, we were on a group text with every um, general manager of or CEO of every resort and just all talking about well, what are you doing? Are you closing? Is this happening? Who's closing next? And things like that so that we could work together about just assessing what was safe and what wasn't for our guests. And that was their main, um, that was their main focus is keeping their employees safe and keeping their guests safe. And when they felt like they weren't a hundred percent sure that they couldn't do that anymore, they made the decision to at least temporarily close and figure out from there. Um, and then of course it kind of pretty much shut down more and more from there where, you know, park city, the city of park city and the city of salt Lake put in more mandated business closings. And that's when we realized um, it was unlikely to see any resorts reopening for the winter, which of course they didn't. Um, we're back open for the summer now, um, but it was a pretty lively weekend, um, <laughs> the weekend of March 14th. Um, and yeah, it was pretty crazy. So as that all set in, what, did everybody coordinate quickly together or was it kind of like there was a, a point where it was just chaos and then everybody started coming together more so? Um, it was chaos, but all coordinated. Um, it was done really well. People were very communicative. Um, the resorts wanted each other to know that they were closing, um, so that it wasn't sprung on anybody. Um, obviously it was, that was kept, um, within our ski Utah group, those discussions until they were ready to announce it to the public. But as soon as one of the resorts knew that they were going to be making moves to announce it, um, they communicated that with Ski Utah and the other resorts so that we could work together to make as quick as possible decisions about what was safe and what wasn't safe to continue operating. Um, and so resorts like, you know, Powder Mountain stayed open another day or two longer, if I recall. Um, but they already limit their capacity. Um, that's just already in their operating plan. And so they knew that their capacity was already limited. Their lodges are really small and limited. So they kept they kept those closed. Um, and so they were able to maintain some skier days past when, like, for example, Snowboard or Park City Mountain did. Um, but they were getting information from all of our other resorts about what they were doing, why they were closing, when they were closing. Um, and so that was a really coordinated effort um, to do our best we possibly could to protect everybody and close um, when needed while staying open if we if we could which obviously didn't end up being the case because it just wasn't the right choice. Yeah. And I think too, that the first weekend wasn't, weren't certain resorts. I think Snowbird was one of them where they were saying, well, we're going to close for the week. And then yeah, the it goes. A lot of the resorts did do that because they, you know, they set up front, I think Park City Mountain did that as well. They said, we're going to close um, for the next week and we'll let you know what's going on because they, you know, as you guys both probably recall, um, it's hard to remember, but we were all in such a fog about what is this, what is even happening? Is this really going to get to the level that we think it is? Um, and it seemed like no one really had the answer. And so resorts wanted to, they were putting everyone's safety first, which I'm still just like so proud to see how one they well, how coordinated they together how well they coordinated together and two, just that complete commitment to safety. It was, that was over everything. And so, you know, having that combination was just, it was pretty unique. It was really special to see that. Well, even at the state and county levels, like currently, like it's hard to get information of well, what are we allowed to do today? Like, the, mm -hmm. you know, so now at least I think they're setting up websites, but I imagine it's, it was just a lot of phone calls. And did you actually have like somebody 
that had an ear at like the state level to kind of feed you guys some information early or? Yeah, um, our we actually, you know, Ski Utah, one of our jobs is to maintain a relationship with um, the Utah government um, because obviously it's really important for our resorts to have a great relationship with the government and communicate their needs, um, everything from tax laws to um, working with transportation to working with just all of the above. And so that's one of Utah's jobs um, in any normal day is to constantly be working with the state of Utah um, to help our resorts however we can. And this was just a unique uh, <laughs> version of that job, but that's still the case. You know, um, Nathan, our president and CEO, was in very close touch um, with the governor and his team, as well as um, just really keeping an ear to the ground with, you know, Utah Office of Tourism as well, and working together with all of these tourism offices and um, CBs and resorts and government officials communicate pretty quickly. I mean, obviously, the information changed daily, and the state of Utah did a pretty good job keeping us all updated with um, coronavirus.utah.gov, like I'm sure everybody else has for their state. Um, so they did do a really great job getting that up quickly, but it was very helpful having Ski Utah and all the resorts having a little bit of a closer contact with the government to make sure that we were following their mandates and doing whatever we could to protect everybody. Cool. Uh, it's, it's cool that you mentioned that all the resorts were kind of on the same boat and working together because, you know, there's, there's two ways to look at that. You could have been like the one rogue resort who's like, you know, we're staying open and then everybody flocks there and you have a massive outbreak coming from that resort which looks horrible for that place yeah. going you have forward. another mardi gras incident right it or could ishkil. be like, like like ishkil in austria who were like they're like yeah. we're being sued now as being like this this ground zero for for european coronavirus oh, outbreaks yeah. but yeah, yeah. It's, it's great that they actually decided you know let's not play the let's play the long game let's make sure everyone's safe let's make sure there is a next season because you know one thing that was you know silver lining ish is that it was mid-march and not like mid-january because if it, that. <laughs> if it yeah. happened like right before mlk weekend like financially so many of these resorts would have been crushed so yeah. completely and it was it was devastating don't get me wrong um i think we were estimated at like a 234 million dollar loss for the resorts just in those last you know four to six weeks that we should have stayed open um wow. we all Know, all the resorts shut down on one of the busiest check-in weekends of the season. Um, so the, the loss was crushing, um, but it was not as crushing as it could have been. Um, so we are, we are thankful for that. And yeah, like you said, it's just, it was really impressive to see all of our resorts working together. I get to see it behind the scenes a lot at Ski Utah, but people don't normally get to see it um, kind of front and center. And I think you people got a more of a public glimpse of really seeing all of the Utah resorts stand behind each other and say, we're going to do the right thing for our employees and for our guests. Yeah, I know. Like down here in Florida, there's a lot of tourism and they're doing everything, it seems, by the county. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I know with the resorts, some of it's on federal land, so it's on state land, right? So is it just a mix of like which requirements they have to follow right now or is it? Um, well, you know, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley and Woodward Park City have to follow Park City's um, mandates. And, you know, you know, for example, right now, all of Salt Lake County and Park City um, require masks in public businesses right now. 
Um, and so Woodward Park City, for example, is requiring masks wherever social distancing can't be done. Um, so like in some of their indoor areas and in like lift lines and things like that. So some of them will follow like local mandate. And then, you know, it depends on the resort, where they are, um, how, what kind of things they have open. Um, and then, you know, a lot of them are taking precautions beyond what someone is telling them to do. Um, like, for example, at Snowbird on the their scenic tram rides right now, they're limiting them to 25 people, um, which you've been in that tram 25 people is a pretty roomy ride up. Yeah. It's um, usually a hundred full capacity. Yeah. Right? And so it's a nice roomy ride up. They keep all the windows open and a mask is required to ride it. Um, and that, that was a mandate that they chose upon opening. So a lot of the resorts are honestly probably taking even more of a precaution than anyone is necessarily telling them to do um, because they want their employees and their guests to stay safe. People want to get out into the mountains. Like, we have seen people desperate to get out and really just want to <laughs> take a breath of fresh air and be outside, even if it's not like it used to be. Um, and so the resorts are just doing everything they can to start off on the right foot and be safe about it so that people can keep coming up. Yeah, it was yeah. a good time to push the hiking and the biking there too, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody's been cooped up, so... Yeah. So do you remember your, your last day of the season? I mean, I, I don't know if you were able to go out and go back country at all, if that was even allowed or what, was there any inclination that day that this could be the last day of the season? You know, I did not think that that was going to be my last day of the season. <laughs> it was definitely like a shot, um, like a shot to the heart when I truly realized that I wasn't going to ride a lift again for the rest of the season. Um, that was Everybody was still holding on thinking it's going to be a week or two and then open back up and... Yeah, it was a little bit painful. Um, but, you know, all of February, um, I was hosting a lot of journalists and things in town because that's part of my job. Someone's going to get out and ski all the time with people. So yeah. I, <laughs> I ski a lot of days in February and early March, which was pretty cool. Um, but, you know, it just... It was pretty sad to realize that I wasn't going to get a lift, get on a lift again until um, this coming winter. Um, we, you know, we did no one shut down the backcountry in Utah. Um, but you guys are probably familiar with the Utah Avalanche Center, which is one of the best avalanche forecasting organizations in the world um, and are truly the consummate professionals that produce one of the most detailed and impressive reports every single day. And they did a really great job getting info out to the public saying, look, now isn't the time to learn how to ski in the backcountry um, because obviously all of our systems are already stressed. Our hospitals are going to be stressed. Our rescue teams are going to be put in danger. Let's not, now is not the time. And the pe most of the people in Utah listened to that. Um, so when I did go out, um, I did a couple tours. And when I did, I stayed under 30 degrees and off of avalanche terrain and just to get outside and take a breath of fresh air, but only a couple more ski days were after that for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had a, it's a great point you bring up because we, we talked to a friend of ours who's a, a physical therapist up in Vermont and we talked to him like, I think he must've been like mid late March. And he was saying too, he's like, it's, we, we get it. You want to be in the back country. You want to ski. He's like, but if you're in a, a town and all the medical, like say there's an accident out there, they've got to send all their rescue 
folks out there to come find your stupid ass while <laughs> letting people who are really sick and really need help, you're, you're ignoring them. Like, yeah, you said, putting an extra tax on the medical um, yeah. you know, medical folks in that town or that city. So yeah, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure there's some tales of people being stupid, but did you hear anything or, or for the most part, were people pretty, pretty good about listening? Nothing comes directly to mind. You know, I think that there was probably some people getting out that maybe should have, shouldn't have been, um, yeah. but, you know, a couple of the resorts later, much later in the spring opened up travel. Um, Snowbird did at the very end, kind of a fair season, and Alta did um, for a little point in time, I believe in April. Um, and they just did a really great job saying, "Hey, you're just because you're on, on the resort doesn't mean that you're not kind of in the backcountry now because we're not we're not out here controlling the terrain anymore." Um, luckily, here in Utah, we have so many resorts and so much backcountry that. Most people are at least somewhat aware of the danger of entering the backcountry. And so um, I think people were generally pretty respectful of that. And I'm really proud of the Utah Avalanche Center and all the work that they do to make sure that people stay safe. Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. So what is the vibe now? Because, you know, we talked about before the podcast started, you said there was, you know, there was that big earthquake, which, of course, you know, we mentioned it. You remember it like the day or so it happened. And then, of course, more madness, craziness happens two days later. You forget all about it. But you were talking about you guys had that avalanche in March. But and now I guess there's a bit of an outbreak or a second wave that's hitting Utah. How is the general vibe out there in Salt Lake City, Park City? Well, um, I always say that to work in the ski industry, and Nathan says this too, you have to be an eternal optimist. Um, so a lot of us are surprisingly in good spirits. Um, but yeah, like you said, it was about a week after everything shut down here. We had um, a huge earthquake and that was um, terrifying. And Utah didn't let us forget about it because we had several aftershocks for like a month. Um, and so, yeah, that was a little bit like intense and just, you know, like everybody else in the world, it just felt unsure and scary and confusing. Um, but now, you know, the vibe is definitely, um, safety first. Um, but everybody is so hungry to just get outside. Um, Mm -hmm. and we're, we're really lucky here that I can literally walk out my front door and I can be at the bench of the Wasatch front, um, on my own two legs in just a couple of miles. Um, and so it's pretty easy for us to get out into the mountains and be safe about it and be socially distant. And even at the resorts, it's pretty easy to do that right now. Um, so the vibe is positive. Um, but it's safety first, you know, and Utah is definitely putting safety first. I'm really excited about that because we are seeing that second wave like a lot of the West is right now. Um, but they're doing a really great job with the mandates and how they're dealing with it. Um, they're, you know, requiring masks in all public businesses. That mandate went into effect a couple days ago um, in Park City and Salt Lake, like I was saying. So we are still seeing that wave right now, um, but it is being mitigated well, in my opinion, and the resorts are just doing a really excellent job with all of these safety precautions. I mean, it's crazy. It's like you go up to Sundance and every every single lift has Purell at the bottom and Purell at the top and every single lifty is wearing a face mask and the dining is like pristine clean with like everyone 12 feet apart. And so, you know, it, it honestly, they, their operations are safe. Um, and that's why I have so much hope for winter, um, because they're just doing such an excellent job right now. And then also planning right now for the winter and figuring out 
how to operate safely. And I, I think Utah is going to be as usual, the best place to ski, but also one of the safest places to ski because our resorts have worked so hard to figure out how they're going to let us do it. Because the vibe here is we want to get outside. (laughs) We all want to stay safe, but everybody here is desperate to be back up in our mountains. However, however it looks. Yeah. Isn't it funny how everyone's bragging about cleaning now? It's like, shouldn't you guys always have been cleaning? Like, why is this all of a sudden now, now something you're bragging about? Yeah. Yeah. It's like our four plates clean. I know it is a little bit strange. I guess it's just, I think everyone was cleaning. Maybe just not everyone talked about it because it wasn't so glamorous. Now it's like the cool thing. Um, That's true. Yeah. It's almost like the, like the, your virtue signal is how clean you are. You know, like look how much Purell I have with me at all times. At all times. Look, Look at, at me. I'm washing my hands. <laughs> I will tell, I will tell you, yeah. Mario knows this. I always had in my backpack, I always kept Purell with me. Like a little yeah. thing. Just because you know what? You go to have lunch. You got your yeah. stinky gloves. You know, it's just a little dab. Just a little something and you're going to be okay. Yeah. Like I always had it with me. I guess I was ahead of my time. Yeah, I guess so. I never have ever really used Purell. Um, and even once everything happened, obviously there, there wasn't any anywhere. So I just washed my hands. And Wash just your hands before you eat. That's one of the big things, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, all the resorts are, are stocked full of it now. That's for sure. That's yeah. funny. Did, uh, did the distillery, did the High West Distillery change over from distilling liquor to making hand sanitizer because you know we talked a lot on a podcast a bunch of those big distilleries all around the country started doing that because they have all the i guess the ingredients they just now there was the demand so they they yeah, started making it. a few of them here in utah did um including alpine distillery up in park city um just, uh, quite a few of them did change over here temporarily which was really cool to see um and then you know i something else I really kind of forgot to mention in addition to seeing all of our businesses, like in our local communities come together, the resorts did so much, everything they possibly could for their employees. They kept paying them after they closed um, some for weeks. Um, Some kept on their health insurance as long as they could. Um, Deer Valley was hosting obviously all of their, um, all of their employees that couldn't fly home to their countries because they obviously have a lot of employees that aren't, residents here in the United States. So they were housing them and feeding them every day. In the Stein Erickson Lodge? Yep. I I Look I don't know that. The Stein Erickson, but at Deer Valley I can guarantee you it wasn't bad lodging. <laughs> you <laughs> know a lot, a lot better than what they were uh, staying in before, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like really making sure that all their employees were taken care of. Um Snowbird and like Woodward Park City gave all of their food away to their employees. They had a big like thing in a parking lot where everybody just drove through and picked up bags and bags and bags of food and gave away thousands of pounds of wow, food wow. Um, because they just their priority was to make sure that their employees could at least um, stay paid and stayed on health insurance as long as they could and at least um, could give them food too. <laughs> um, and so that That's was so great. Been seeing nice. local businesses turn alcohol into hand sanitizer and see the birds give away all of their food um wine into water pretty much yeah exactly (laughs) now with all the country closures was anybody is anybody still stranded there because i know there's a lot of countries that were limiting travel especially from the u.s i think the u um eu is still limiting travel Yeah, I actually don't. I don't know. I don't think so. I know that right after everything happened, um, like as soon as the resorts did close, a lot of them were working so hard to help those employees get home however they could. 
Um, but I actually don't know for sure. My my assumption is that most that wanted to have been able to get home. Um, yeah. If not, then maybe they've um, been able to stay here. But I, I don't know. I imagine most countries let you go back if you're a citizen. So if you're a citizen, yeah, I think it was just the difficulty of the logistics with flights yeah. and the cost and getting them back there. Um, and then I think they just have to quarantine. So if you're a citizen, I think you can return to your country. It's just a matter of the logistics were difficult up front. And so they just wanted to do everything they could to take care of them while they had to stay here. It's cool seeing everybody come together like that. Yeah. yeah. And you know what else is cool is seeing Park City with no one in it. <laughs> I've never seen Park City like that. You know, Nathan was up there um, a while ago and he saw a guy riding his horse down the middle of Main Street. Like, wow. Like it was 1900. <laughs> throwback. Be a great time to take photos around town, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you kind of mentioned it and I know it's like kind of the loaded billion dollar question. And so right now, everything you said how are things looking in terms of reopening for the winter? Like what is everyone's, I know we're all eternal optimists here as, as skiers. Like, yeah. What is, what is everyone's kind of vibe and thought process going forward? With the crystal forward? ball. For, for yes. My Ski Utah optimist crystal ball says we are all going to be open and it's going to be best winter on record. Um, for snowfall. There you go. For Done. snowfall and for happiness and general energy. I think it's going to be the best. Um, I, in all seriousness, um, all the resorts plan to open. All their season passes are on sale, um, and they're not on sale like they normally are. They're totally different than ever before. And that's I, if you're going to buy a season pass, buy it now um, because <laughs> I've never seen it with so many different insurance programs and with extended deadlines for the cheaper prices. Um, it's crazy, you know. And a lot of most of the passes are offering this program where, including like the Icon Pass. Um, which hosts five resorts in Utah. Um, they are offering, you know, a deferral program where if you don't use the pass by a certain date, you can defer it to the 21-22 season. Um, and so they're completely confident that they are opening and that they can do it safely. And I'm confident that they can too. But if people don't feel comfortable skiing or worry about traveling or change their minds or maybe lose their job, if they don't use the pass by a certain date, they can just defer it. Um, and so that's a pretty cool program. And I, I just, I believe that all of our resorts are going to open. I think that they are making plans, A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, um, to figure out how to operate safely. And luckily, you know, not only has the Utah ski industry come together, but the ski industry as a whole has come together. I think unlike anything ever before, um, we get to be on, webinars all the time together. New Zealand um, resorts are telling us and cluing us in on how they're operating, what that looks like, keeping in touch with our resorts here to tell us what that looks like, sharing internal documentation about how they're setting it up. And so it's a pretty unique situation where at least we do get to watch the Southern Hemisphere and watch what they're doing this winter. And our resorts are probably spending much more than 40 hours a week right now thinking about how they're going to operate in the winter and operate safely. And based on what I've seen so far with their plans, I think Utah is going to be operating fully and probably one of the safest places you can ski in the West. And is there, is there any kind of general, um, 
I don't know, kind of guidelines people are using? Because I know one of the examples we were talking about recently was A Basin in Colorado, how they reopened for those yeah. last couple of weeks. And they had that lottery system where they only allowed, I think it was 600 per people per day. And it was five, I guess, I think it was 530 were season pass holders. And then the last 70 was that lottery system. And people would just keep trying and trying and trying and, you know, roll the dice. It was a lottery. Um, was there anything that seeing that happen that the resorts saw and are going to use when they plan to execute their plans for the winter? I think it'll be hard to say. I'm guessing that that is one of their contingency plans is to be limit capacity in a certain way. How do we do that? Is it season passes? Is it locals? Is it what, what does that look like? Um, that's really hard to say right now, but I can guarantee you that, um, limited capacities are in one of their plans in case, you know, in case they need to, mm-hmm. um, I don't. And then if it's not limited capacity on the Hill, is it limited capacity in lodges or in, around dining or what does that look like? Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen at some of the resorts coming into the first parts of the winter. Um, but it's hard to say it might not be on Hill. It might just be in lodging or if it is on Hill, I'm sure they're going to be figuring out how to do that. And that's why I I would say buy a season pass. Um, because like you saw, the resorts that were able to open at the end of the spring, they they went heavy on their pass holders who had already invested in coming to that resort. And so I think the best way to do it is to buy a pass to somewhere or even buy the Icon or Epic Pass. And then that way you kind of have that. And then you know that you might get priority if there is limited capacity. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned the tram before too, you know, like just, you know, being at 25% capacity, you know, I know those lines can get super gnarly on a Saturday and, you know, I can imagine what would, you know, what it must be like having it be four times longer when you're cutting capacity, but uh, you know, the resorts probably will start conservative and hopefully if things go well, probably, you know, allow a few more, a few more. And, and again, you, you want to, you almost want a definitive answer, but there's just, you can't have one now. Everything is just yeah. too day by day, right? You're now. building on on sandpaper, on you know quicksand, pretty much at this point. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty much writing the playbook as we go, um, and the resorts have to stay fluid. You know, they don't want to say right now, well, you know, we're only going to allow a thousand people a day or something like that, um, because that may not need to be the case. Um, it, it could be a completely different scenario come November, um, and so you know, we can't we can't have a definitive answer right now. My only definitive answer is knowing that they will open and that it's probably going to look different than it ever has. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Again, we have to kind of wait and see and see how like said, things go in uh, New Zealand and Southern Hemisphere and yeah, learn, learn from them. Hopefully less mistakes, more positive experiences, and then yeah, figure out the new game plan, the new normal, at least the hopefully temporary new normal. Yeah, yeah exactly. So you're waiting for ski season. What's been some of your favorite summer activities that have been been keeping you excited, in shape, keeping you uh, in the mountains and having fun outdoors? Well, if you want my real answer, I spend most of my summers um, sitting inside depressed in front of an air conditioner <laughs> uh, because I'm a true winter diehard. Like, I love winter. If it could be winter 11 out of 12 months of the year, 
I would be happy. You're speaking uh, our language. Yep. Yeah, I just, I love winter, um, but a lot of people would laugh at that because there's so much to do here in Utah. Um, I personally, when I, when I do get out in the summer um, and I'm not complaining about it not being ski season, um, I spend a lot of time camping, um, especially up here. Like when you get up into the winters up here, um, there's just, it's a little bit cooler. It's so nice. And then I love going up into little and big cottonwood for hikes. Uh, which is where Snowbird and Alta and Brighton and Solitude are because it's always cooler up there. Um, so, you know, the wildflowers are going to start popping here in a few weeks up at Alta, which is always just incredible to see. Um, so whatever I can do to get up into the mountains and away from the heat, um, which I know I shouldn't complain because our heat isn't even that bad. And it's <laughs> uh, we don't even have humidity. I don't even know what humidity is. <laughs> Go visit Mario in Florida. Yeah. What's I a, don't know. You're like, why take a visit. do you live here? I'm yeah. not allowed in Florida in the summer. It's brutal hot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, hiking is definitely my thing. Hiking and running, um, as long as it's up in out of the heat. Um, and then uh, most of my friends are hardcore mountain bikers. Like everybody here bikes and some people start biking and start loving it even more than skiing, which that's insane to me, but people love the biking here and there's so much lift serve biking and then so much biking like right out your door too. So you don't have to take the lift. Um, but if you want to be lazy on the uphill, you easily can, um, and Woodward opened their bike park. They have tons of cool stuff. I know you guys wanted to get your backflip down on skis. Yeah. Maybe you could do it on the bike too and figure that out at Woodward. Um, I, got, I got a mountain bike this spring to try to make it. I used to mountain bike back in the day. I got a bike. I've been doing it more. I love it, but I'm, I love it because I tell myself, keep going up this hill. It's going to make you a better skier. I'm crashing too much. Like, <laughs> I probably got poison ivy and ticks, like Lyme disease. Like I'm like, no, I'm like this. This will not replace skiing. It's not even close. Yeah, I I'm on your camp. I don't think it's anywhere close. But people, there's no snakes. Uh, there's no snakes when you're skiing. <laughs> it's, yeah. Right? I just like the workout because it's le- it's easier on your knees at least for a season. You get the you get the workout without the pounding on your knees. You just like the spandex aspect yeah. of it. You're like wearing your spandex, <laughs> show it off what you got. We, we yeah, call it mandex. People come to Utah in the summer for the the biking and the hiking. I mean, that's what they're here for. It's yeah. gorgeous, and the weather here it's just unbeatable. We have pretty much just nonstop sun and no humidity. <laughs> nice, can't beat that. So <laughs> you mentioned. Complain. Little Cottonwood and Big Cottonwood. This is kind of my last thing that I have for you. Um, we were talking about a few weeks ago. Uh, I guess the transportation, uh, Salt Lake City Airport is looking to expand their transportation up to Little Cottonwood. Has has there been any progress yet? I know there was kind of three three different proposals that were being talked about. There was a couple of bus routes and then a gondola. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's actually an interesting topic to bring up. So um, the Utah Department of Transportation is um, basically assessing three options right now. There was a, a time period where they opened up for public comment for like all suggestions. Um, and then it kind of evolved into the final ones. And one of them is expanding the road and adding snow sheds, which are essentially these huge concrete tunnels that um, go over where it's more avalanche prone. Um, And then expanding the buses. Um, At Ski Utah, we're most excited about the gondola idea. Um, Just because... 
Well, and here's the thing, you know, they're all good ideas. They're all, there's a reason why they're in the top three is that they're all good ideas. Um, but the gondola is actually the only thing that truly offers another option to get in and out of that canyon. Um, like, as we all know, Little Cottonwood Canyon is one way in and one way out. Um, and if the road is closed, no one's getting in and no one's getting out, period. I mean, we saw the longest interlodge on record this season with a, um, a, astounding historical avalanche that hit little little cottonwood canyon road and closed um snowbird in alta for two days um people were in a lodge i think for like two and a half days and you know when that happens and there's an emergency and people need to get out there's no way out because it doesn't matter how many buses you have that's all they're doing is they're sitting there just trying to get all the trees and all the snow off the road Um, and the gondola can continue to operate after an avalanche has happened while they're clearing the road. So just because cars can't go up and down doesn't mean that the gondola can't operate. And, um, you know, when that was initially brought up, there was a lot of questions around like, well, where's everyone going to park at the bottom? How is this going to work? And now actually with this proposal with the gondola, it's actually expanded to include um, Lakai, which is currently kind of just a restaurant property around the base between Big and Little Cottonwood but it would actually expand to a much bigger project, including um, like a Lakai base station, um, a huge parking garage that would actually be built into the elevation of the land. So it wouldn't go up. It would go down into the side where the Wasatch oh, wow. is off. Um, I, um, I'm probably not doing the best job verbally explaining it, but if you go to gondolaworksut.com, um, there's tons of really interesting information about it. Um, and Utah is hosting a little thing on our Instagram story, um, actually just answering a bunch of questions about it. So that'll be up in our highlight reel. And there's a lot of interesting, um, things about it. You know, there's, there's, it's obviously going to be a stunning ride. <laughs> if you do go oh, for sure. going to oh, be yeah. an attraction just in itself to ride that. Um, and then, like I said, like, we're just big fans of it because it offers up another option. Um, to really get people in and out of that canyon that doesn't involve being on the road. And at the end of the day, it takes cars off the road, it takes buses off the road, and it helps, you know, helps us become a little bit more carbon neutral. The gondola will be carbon neutral. It's just a more sustainable long-term solution, whereas getting more buses and trying to mitigate the avalanches a little bit better is kind of, in my opinion, a little bit of a Band-aid on a on yeah. a gaping wound. You're not um, going to get rid of avalanches. Another That's the thing. Yeah. Another band-aid where it's <laughs> something long term that can really deal with the influx of all the people wanting to ski the greatest snow on earth right at the top of Little yeah. Cotton Canyon. <laughs> yeah. Is there a time frame that they're going to decide on this? Um, so it's open for public comment. These three options um, until July 11th. So if you actually go to that website, gondolaworksut.com, up in the top right corner, there's a button that says take action. Um, And so that's just something that everyone can, anyone can go to, um, and excuse me, it's actually just gondolaworks.com. Their Instagram is gondolaworksut, but it's just gondolaworks.com. Um, and that explains kind of all the different things around the gondola, probably in a much more sophisticated, sophisticated manner than I am. Um, but if you click <laughs> the top right corner, you can make a comment by July 11th. Um, and then that's when they start looking at all the comments. 
assessing all of the options a little bit more deeply. And then um, they kind of move forward with that timeline. But you can read more about it on there and we'll see where that goes. We just want we want the best option for a sustainable long-term ski economy in Little Cottonwood Canyon. Did no one call Elon Musk and get like want to get one of those boring like the tunnels underneath? Get a big- I don't know why Elon Musk wouldn't be interested in that, but apparently <laughs> he's putting a tunnel Ooh, under all Vegas. The There's a tunnel under Vegas. There's a tunnel he's putting in uh, Los Angeles. You know, I think a tunnel right from the airport. <laughs> tunnel it out right to Snowbird. I I would prefer to actually just like you know Harry Potter apparate from the, from the <laughs> airport to the top of Little Cottonwood, but you know. Maybe maybe in like a hundred or two hundred years. Yeah, I gotta work maybe. on some more technology for that one. Yeah. <laughs> but a hyperloop to all the big uh, resorts would be pretty neat. The hyperloop is pneumatic tubes just right? shooting people from the airport <laughs> right to the resorts. Underground. Yeah. They're in like ten minutes. I think what was the you guys had last time? Something about a snow cat that <laughs> I can't remember what it, it was. was. A snow cat full of excellent genius ideas. <laughs> We, we always really have a like, lot of snowcat ideas. Yeah, we think everything should be snowcatty. You know, yeah. you put those tank treads on something and just you know let We're it go. Buses. buses with snow treads. Buses That's with it. snow tracks. Tank yeah. Treads. yeah, I think you guys could just come out here and start shuttling people up in a ski bum uh, snowcat. Snowcat bus. Yeah, I like it. A bus think, like a train. Many of them put together and we'll just <laughs> just a convoy. Just we'll be carbon just, neutral. We'll be solar powered. It'll be great. That's it. Solar well, power. And- I, think, I think you guys should submit a comment with your solution <laughs> ASAP. Get me the head of the DOT. We'll, like, yeah. we'll like wind up crashing their old plans because we have so many weird comments. So like we can't go through all these all. They're like, they're yeah. bad. They're yeah. bad. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Uh, Annalise, anything else you want to add? Where can people reach out and, uh, and get more information about Ski Utah? Head to SkiUtah.com. Um, we're, we have a ton of cool stuff up um, just about summer too and kind of what all the resorts are doing. And then there's actually some really interesting blog posts as well that review every single pass that's on sale in Utah. Um, oh. Yeah. So if you go to SkiUtah.com, um, I think it's forward slash stories, um, you can kind of filter through all of our blogs. Um, but if you kind of Google like choosing the right season pass, Ski Utah, it should come up. And it's a really thorough post that goes over every single pass that's on sale for Utah. Um, that's really helpful. Um, and then obviously, we're obviously always posting helpful links on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, and those are always really great resources, or at least we'll take you links to each of the sites to, to find out more about what you need to know coming up this summer and coming up this winter. And you're just at Ski Utah on both on Instagram yep. and Facebook. At Ski Utah for for all of the above. Perfect. I scroll down a little on that stories page, and I f- I see it right there. Choosing the right uh, Utah season pass. Just yeah. buy them all, and then go buy that. Did you see that um, that Heli pass? They finally put pricing on that thing today. The uh, the Heli ski pass. They have an unlimited one. It starts at a hundred thousand dollars. Worth it. Totally worth it. I said you could go by 290 days of heliskiing. Wow. Yeah, I think I think it's probably worth it. Just do it one year. One year. You one just year. put your money aside. It's you buy year. it. You make you and you just film it. And you create and the like three the three of us go in on like a ski bum podcast heli pass. We'll tag team in. Nice. Like everyone gets to go every other day. Every that's third right. day. We're all sharing this pass. You know that. I think that's a worthy investment. <laughs> we'll get masks made that make one generic face. 
Yeah. And we'll use that one generic oh, face there you go. on the picture on the card. And then that person can go. Like you have I, to wear a COVID you, mask. You guys are like a genius thought lab here. Yeah, we're like a like a booze-filled think tank. It's kind of <laughs> how we like to do okay. ourselves. <laughs> Commonly okay. known as the idiot think tank. That works. Yeah, you know, occasionally <laughs> we have a few gems, though. Yeah. yeah. Occasionally. They're in there. They're mixed in. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, Annalise, thank you so much for your time. We really do appreciate it. We love chatting with you and hopefully we'll actually get to hang out in person again, like the good old days of 2019. Yes. Yeah, I, I believe it. You guys are going to come out. We're going to hang out on a ski lift. It'll be, it'll be great. We are. And <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And yeah, hopefully we can have you on again once the season starts, uh, starts rolling. So you can give yeah, us a I definitely love to come on talk about, talk about all our openings and what it looks like. I'm sure I'll have a more definitive answer come, you know, come November. So we can, we can chat more and you guys can start planning your Utah trip to learn that backflip. And I'm yeah. sure we'll all have aged six years in the next four months. So <laughs> looking forward to it. Be happy to be out. That's for sure. Yes, definitely. So thank you so much again, Annalise. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, Stay yeah. safe. Yeah. All right, take care. Hope you guys enjoyed that. If you want more information, we have links to Gondola Works and Ski Utah at our website, skibumpodcast.com. Under the ropes. First off, I mean, everyone knows what a Bass Pro Shop is, but I have to be honest, I have not been to one. Like, I've not been inside one. What's big down there? Cabela's? Is that bigger down I think, Cabe- well, I think Cabela's used to be, but I think they got bought up by Bass. I think it's like just one company now. Oh, did they? I know they, they both had giant stores. Yeah. But Cabela's down in... Had, I didn't either had one on the Pennsylvania border that I always I remember think, passing. Oh, f- well, there's one like in Allentown-ish in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Once you go in like 20 minutes or so. That's but, the one I'm thinking. It was huge and you'd see it from the highway. I remember my dad used to get the uh, Cabela's catalogs back in the day, and I used to love thumbing through those because they had such cool stuff. But I still haven't been in. Maybe that's going to be one of my uh, my 2021 goals is to go to a, a Bass Pro Shop. Yeah, but, I looked it up just now. Cabela's is a subsidiary of Bass Pro Shops. There you go. That must so, have been a big buy. That's like a monopoly now. Yeah, right. So this gentleman down in Louisiana was caught on video swimming in the indoor aquarium at the Bass Pro Shop in Bossier City, Louisiana. Nice. <laughs> He's been identified and arrested by the police. Now, of all the things happening in the world right now, is a bizarre gentleman just going swimming in an indoor aquarium really that big of a deal? You know, if he wants to jump in that water, I mean, I got to say, though, these places are... You know, they say an aquarium. It's not a tiny thing. It's like a giant aquarium these places have. And they'll like fish out of there and stuff. Well, that's what it is. It's an aquarium. It's not a fish tank. It is. Yeah. They said that. (laughs) So the guy jumped in there. uh, They identified him and they charged him with criminal damage to property, which is a misdemeanor, which is good. Uh, Did you see the video? I love it. He's got his, his, all his clothes on. He just jumps in there. The video is great. Yeah. But they They said that the complaint was filed uh, to the police after Bass Pro Shops determined that there would be costs associated with emptying and cleaning the 13,000-gallon aquarium, which features species of fish local to the region. Dude, are you serious? They have to clean the tank because some asshole just jumps in it? Do you know what kind of disgusting stuff is in the bayou? This is Louisiana. What do you think that water is like down there? 
Oh, the best part is though, he jumps out and I guess he did it as a prank. He jumps out and they still have video of him running around the store and he's like trying to hide. He's like soaking wet. I'm like, dude, they could follow like the steps. Like the hell you think you're going to go? Yeah. Like, I don't know where he went. I don't know who did that. Dude, you're soaking wet. It had to be you. No, it wasn't me, man. He's going to the underwear and sock section. (laughs) He's going to change. Just go into the changing room. Change his clothes. Yes. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, man. And people, we're all losing our minds right now. And this guy is just <laughs> another person losing their goddamn mind. Oh, yeah. All right. Next and up. One more. This is the, the Oof. Now, icing this, on the cake. This was from the New York Post by way of the sun. So, you know. Oh, two legit news forces here. All two, two legit news forces came together. So, politician, but, but the... The headline, I believe, politician in Brazil sniffs pair of women's panties during online council meeting. So um, they actually have a picture of it. Not, I think they might have the video, which is just really disturbing. So a Brazilian politician was on a Zoom call and either he forgot he was on the Zoom call and thought the camera was off or he just thought the camera was off and, you know, the, the thing was going, pulls out a pair of panties and starts sniffing them. While he's on the call and everybody's just like staring at him like, what the fuck is this guy doing? I think the big question is, are they prescription panties? Because, you know, (laughs) perhaps that's part of his regiment that he has to, you know, there's something in there that he's got to take in every couple Uh, hours. So the video they have, politicians can be can be be seen discussing an issue when the council member uh, Dino do Asilo of the Social Christian Party pulls out a pair of small red knickers. Um, so he studies them. So they're all watching him and he's up in the little corner. He's like studying them before lifting the thong up to his nose and taking a sniff. Mm. So uh, he tried to explain his, beha- uh, his behavior, saying the, he received a present in the mail during the session and thought he deactivated the microphone when he collected it and said he was checking to see would, what he was given and, and just checking it out. So um, he has a, a misfortune of and my lack of practice with this technology. Um, Always playing dumb. Everyone who gets busted for doing something stupid like this always plays dumb. <laughs> so he claims, I wore a pink shirt, and as a joke, a friend sent me these knickers. Mm-hmm. It was an edible item from one of those sex shops, and that's why I sniffed it. I have a family. So that's his <laughs> Miss Scusi, Miss Scusi. <laughs> now, it would have been so much better if he just ate them on camera. <laughs> started chomping down on a pair of pants. Like, what the hell is he eating? He I mean, he pretty, he pretty much would have locked in his re-election if he would have done that. I love how like on his thing behind him, he's got like a picture of himself, like advertising himself. And then he's there with the panties. <laughs> that could be his new poster for next, next election cycle. Same <laughs> with the panties. And again, how much more of this shit is going to come? Cause you know, this is out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're all guilty of something. And this, this poor dummy, he should have just again, gone all in and just ate them on camera. Just eat them. Assert dominance. Send a message. Send a message. Just stare right at the camera. Let them know who you're fucking with. That's right. These are some Jim. We're going to put that new goddamn traffic light up, and I'm going to make sure of it. I'm going to eat these fruit roll-up panties and and stare at you. Right. Who's next? Who's voting? Who's voting yes? (laughs) How could you possibly vote no if I eat these panties? If I eat the panties quicker, maybe they'll all vote yes. (laughs) 
sends a message. Oh yeah. He sent a message. All right. Did he ever. All right, man. Well, that about wraps up the old podcast for the week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Annalise for joining us. Yeah. Pretty cool. Thank you again. Uh, check us out skibumpodcast.com. We're on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Ski Bump Podcast. Untapped. Follow us. Ski Bump Podcast and Ski Bump Brian. If you want stickers, send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram. Thank you again for listening. Things might be a bit touch and go the next few weeks, but we will be back. Don't you worry. So thank you again, and we'll see you soon. Stay high, stay polluting. See ya. See ya.